Hey folks, one of the Redneck Country Podcast. You are on with Real Redneck Tom Millard. Of course, we got the almost guy, Real Redneck Bill. Tom, Bill, are you there? I am here, and it's a beautiful night for a podcast. Beautiful night for a podcast. And of course, we got the patriarch of Redneck Country, my father, Real Redneck Tom Millard. Dad, is your mic hot? Yep. Same as always. I'm thinking we could almost record that little bit right there and just use it every week. We could. Yeah, that would save us a little bit of time, except it would take so long for you to get your level set up. It wouldn't always be the same. Every week, so. <laughs> but see, I could just cut that. Yeah. Who cares? I just, that's done. Now we just go right into what did you do this week? It'd that's be, right. it'd be, yeah, it'd, it'd shave off a little bit of time, but anyway, yeah. not that that's what we're about. We're more about just getting time to talk to each other. So then really what, what fun would that be? That's right. We would uh, we would miss out on so much. That's what the world is about these days, shortening things up, making them more efficient. But I don't always believe that's the right way to go. Right? We would just yeah. be falling into that trap of using technology to make it, yeah, yeah, work smarter, not harder. Sometimes working harder builds a better person. Sure does. Sure does. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's... That's good. We've got a pretty interesting night tonight, don't we? We kind of do. We kind of do. We, uh, I don't want to spoil it. I will, we'll wait till the end of this little intro and then we'll, we'll drop the bomb on what we got going Or Do you want to drop the bomb now? And then we do the little no, intro. Let's wait. Let's okay. wait for it. I'm good with that. <laughs> All right. Well then what'd you do this week? It was, uh, it was, it was kind of a, a slow week. I mean, uh, back to, we talked about this a little bit already, but back to the workout routines and stuff like that. And I was, I was starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm and, and uh, uh, I got a reach out from from Les on the last podcast. Before, remember we talked about that. Oh yeah, have um, you been doing that? The, you've got to well, choke this down like twice a day <laughs> or something like that. I, I tell you what I've done. I, I've bought all the ingredients. So I, I got a secondary reach out that says, "Yeah, no, I'm not pulling your leg. This is this is real deal." Let's. Oh, uh, did, yeah, he, let's he listened to the yeah. podcast and he was <laughs> like, "Hey, I'm I'm not playing." So he's doubled down on the not play. So then I will too. Yeah. It's you better go out and get that stuff. <laughs> I got it all. I've got the uh, the ingredients, and it's not very many, but the the combination of those ingredients is going to be something to swallow, even at a a tablespoon or. A, Come a, on, a are you bit. kidding me? Well, uh, and do, this do you is the magic the stuff. Sir? I yeah. don't, I'm not going to tell you the. Like, I, it just is less going to let you break this down for us. Because this is like know. the burn the belly fat secret sauce, right? And it's, uh, it's, it's working it's for him. Is is that's the rumor? Yeah, well, is uh, lemons, horseradish, are, are two two of the ingredients in there, and I won't give you the rest of them. But if you can mix lemon and horseradish together, horseradish, and say they got horseradish, horseradish, horseradish. <laughs> yeah, and a little bit of ketchup, you got a good shrimp sauce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you're not wrong. Yeah, so do you have to put Maybe it on this a spoon? Isn't going to be that bad at all. Can you put it on a, on a piece of shrimp, or does it have to be on a spoon? Apparently a spoon is the key. If you put it on a shrimp, that's anti-fat relieving. (laughs) But we're going to give it a go. It's not you are what you eat with shrimp, huh? (laughs) No, apparently not. Apparently not. So is that it? uh, That's the three things. Oh, no, there's more, but I'm not going to give you the rest of it because uh, I, I want to keep that in my hip pocket until we get uh, get further down the road here. So <laughs> I don't want to give all less of secrets out just in case this is top. Uh, or in top case we're, we're still just playing with you and we've doubled down now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're I mean, going to add in ingredients every week to see if you just keep shoving it in the gullet. <laughs> well, and if it's if it is what it is, if I can provide comic relief for the podcast, this is exactly what I have to do. Right? I'm, I'm pretty sure 55 episodes prior to this one we decided that's what you were 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, we didn't this tell you? Happens. We didn't tell. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. This is what I signed up for. That was the fine print. Other duties as required in contract. <laughs> it's all coming out now. Yeah. Well, other than that, not much. I got snowmobile out. Uh, I fired it up, taught my son how to, how to use a snowmobile. And uh, he's, you know, he's 15 and not able to go on the trails by himself. I was going to say, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got to be pumped, though. He is. He's pumped because we were able to uh, to at least, well, at least go up and down the field. And, uh, you know, I, I'm contemplating on getting a trail pass to, uh, uh, you know, hit the trails because they're such, uh, it's so convenient for me. I, I go right out of the back of my house. I go to the, the, the hydro cut on uh, where I turkey hunt sometimes. And that trail can take me all the way up to Penetanguishene, Huntsville, Aurelia. I mean, I got to go a long way. Don't get me wrong. Or I can go down to Cookstown and get a coffee at Tim Morton's. Like, it's just so many options. Why wouldn't I invest in a, in a trail pass? So right on. this year, the snow is is good enough that we, we can get a little bit more riding. And uh, unfortunately, our local ski hill that we're, we got uh, membership for, Seasons Passes for, just officially has pulled the plug on the season's passes member for the, for everybody. And we got our money back. So no snowboarding. So I got to find something else to do with my time and I've already got the snowmobile. So maybe that's going to be my next thing to do. Right. Right. Oh, right. Oh. So I had a buddy that grew up in Listool and they could ride their snowmobiles in the winter at to school and the school had snowmobile parking. And now that was some years ago. Is this, is this the case there? Is this still the case? I don't know. Can, can he do that? Mm, well, I, I'm thinking maybe there's a trail that I might explore if I, uh, if I get the pass next weekend, uh, that I think will take them close enough, but not close that he can uh, get to school, but so maybe it's not well, like a we'll normal thing where they've got like parking snowmobile parking at the school. Wouldn't surprise me, to be honest with you. Wouldn't surprise me. I'd, I'd have to ask him. And hopefully they'll be back in school when he turns 16. So <laughs> Ours are going back uh, very soon. Very soon. Are, are they? Yeah. 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 It's been announced. So we'll see. Uh, good. We'll see. Um, but yeah, yeah, right on. Snowmobile. Yes. I've only ridden That's one it. snowmobile one time. And just because down here, I mean, it, the, the sn- some years, yeah, you get snow. Other years, I don't think it'd be worth it. Do you, Dad, like to no. invest... No, no. Like there's not, there's, there's some trails, but I mean, to invest in a snowmobile, like there, there are a lot of cash. I just don't think it would be. I remember dad was working on a golf cart for my grandparents at a buddy's place, his buddies. And he had this old, old, like 1977, 78 Arctic cat thing was like a riding a brick. And he's like, you could take that out the backyard if you want, Todd. And oh my gosh, I got that thing. I was too busy looking at the speedometer to see how fast I could get it going. I looked up and there was this giant wood pile. I leaned all the weight into I had into that thing to make that thing. I just barely missed this, the wood pile scared the crap out of myself, went, parked it, went and helped dad with the golf cart. That was that. Well, <laughs> I, I tell you, my machine is a 1980 Everest 500 and I love it. It's not the new fancy. It doesn't even have a reverse, but it just suits me. I, just didn't, know right. they, I didn't know they had reverse. See, like this is, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. This, this old machine is uh, is a workhorse. I love it. I bought it originally to go ice fishing on Lake Simcoe. And, uh, you know, I went once ice fishing with it once and that was a chore. 
So I parked it and I just messed around out here, but no, no, no new technology for me. He, 1980 Everest 500 is, is where it's at. So, <laughs> but there you go. So that's what I, what I got up to last week. Right what about on. you? What'd you do? Uh, really just the same old, same old working and working out. I, I think I mentioned I started a new workout regime and now I've started yeah. a diet to go along with it. And you got only a personal a f- trainer, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, well, an online one. And so yep. now sent me the, the food. So I started the, the workout plan, which is okay. I'm, I'm accustomed to that. That's all good. So six days a week and then one day off, uh, which is awesome. And so I don't mind that. It kind of fell into what I do now. It's just a little more superset and type stuff. So that's cool. But now he's sent me the, the, the meal plan, but I'm only like a two days into it. And I'll tell you, it's a lot of food to eat, but I will, I will keep you in the loop with where that goes. I just never seen so much food. Like every three hours I'm supposed to eat the three, three and a half. And it's insanity. I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep up, but I, I will that's, let you that's know. That's the hardest part of any one of those deals is trying to eat so much. Well, and I think I, that's the missing link, right? Like I've done all every supplement you can imagine and done all that. Like it's been 10 years or whatever since I, I started going to the gym religiously every day. So now we're going to, if, if I think I shared that on the last podcast, but so now I'm, I'm going to have this guy that's going to tell me eat this, 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 and you're going to be like movie star ripped. So, well, we'll see. Yeah, I've seen that guy on Instagram too. <laughs> You're eating the wrong stuff, he says. There's certain three things that you need to eat. Yeah, well, is that, the guy, is that the guy that's your personal trainer now? Well, I don't know. I don't. Well, so it's a company, V Shred, but then you get this personal trainer once you sign up, and it was a deal I couldn't refuse. And and really, just to get the new fresh workouts versus going on like bodybuilder.com and all this jazz, it was like something different. But his videos spoke to me because I'm what they call skinny fat. So when I watched this, it was a, yeah, like it spoke to me. And so now this dude, I'm like, okay, so I got the workout plan. All right, we're good to go. So it was worth just having that workout plan and then having the app and being able to say, yep, did this. Yep. Did that. So that's kind of cool, which is a new, instead of a, a lot of people that work out a long time, probably can, can back me up on this. You get a different supplement and it kind of fuels you again. All right, I'm fresh in the gym for another month, right? I got this new, new supplements going to make me jacked. And yeah, nope. It's like eating drywall. So now I'm hoping this is it, but so just getting that workout plan, but now the meal plan along with it, I'm like, so, wow, it's supposed to like keep my metabolism. I've never been overweight, so to speak, but we'll see. This is like, I don't know. It's on a whole new level. I guess it's eat more, but eat healthy more. So, so we'll see more. Well, I used to have a rule when we're out and about all my buddies knew you're out past nine o'clock. We're going through McDonald's drive through. I'm grabbing three cheeseburgers and just so I could keep the, the weight on kind of thing, doing like mutant mass shakes and and all that jazz so i could keep the calorie intake up and never never you can't turn bone into muscle this is what i said last time so well, now i've got the my, meal my plan going at too, right? what's that I, he, he, my brother texted me after the last podcast and said he was listening but us uh you know all the the, the fancy foods his breakfast that morning was a stop at 7-eleven <laughs> he's the 7 to 11 uh, bean burrito microwave guy that's right that's what he was he had a super he spent 25 bucks on uh a super big gulp and uh, bean burrito. I don't know what it was. Three bags of chips and two chocolate bars and a whole bunch of stuff. And says, yeah, that's, I said, you can eat all that today. Well, most of it, he says. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pack of monster, and he doesn't uh, drink coffee. Pico, yeah. He drinks monster. Three taquitos. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what a taquito is. Yeah. Well, and you don't. 
I, I don't think, I don't think we do. And I'll tell you what, if this doesn't work, then I'm going to have your brother as my personal trainer. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a seven to 11. It's not far from here. We're good to go. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll take his advice. <laughs> I wish you luck with that one. <laughs> oh, Jay, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> what a kid. Yep, it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I'm go. calling to Jay if this don't work for sure. We'll we'll hit the seven to a we'll compare every morning what we're gonna put down. Then you'll see me bulk up. It just might not be in a good way. <laughs> yeah. You'll need them pear shaped shirts. Uh, <laughs> upside down pyramid. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so. and Eli, would you, yeah, I'm afraid to ask this. Go ahead, Bill. Hit him. What'd you do this week, Don? Same old thing, walking, cooking, but I'm excited. I don't know if I reported this to you guys yet or not, but I put another new record down on the pavement. I've now done 23 <laughs> steps and 23,000 steps in one day, over 11 kilometers in one day. So I was pretty pumped about that. Soles of his shoes wore so, out. You know many 72-year-olds uh, that got to replace their shoes? No, not many. Only when they lose them. (laughs) But even when I don't hit the records, I'm still up there. 18,000, 19,000, 17,000 steps a day. It feels so good. I love it. The the street sweepers in our neighborhood, you know how the city usually pays for the salt trucks and stuff to go down the sidewalks now, too? They get those fancy machines. They don't need them. That's burning the snow off the sidewalks between my house and his. Yeah, I'm out walking, and, and I'm crossing the street, and I'm heading up the sidewalk, and I'm just burning, and I hear this bump, bump, or beep, beep. It's kind of, kind of a weird sound. Turn around and look, and the sidewalk snow plows up my butt. I had to jump out of the way. I didn't hear it coming because I had, I had my music plugged in my ears. <laughs> We'd give you the safety talk, but we really, it's not, yeah. not a concern, folks. <laughs> it's not, but, but I also... I also been cooking. I love to cook and I made a venison stew and oh, was it good. I put my heart and soul into it and I brought some over here for lunch and I put it in the microwave and Megan come down and she says, what's in there? I said, a bowl of venison stew. I brought it for lunch. Sure smells good. I said, do you want some? I sure do. Well, lost my venison stew to Megan. And she loved it. But it didn't matter. I have more at home, and, and I've had it at home a so couple the, times. So he walked back home, grabbed yeah, some so, more venison. Yeah, but, but this week, I'm going to do I'm gonna do a, uh, a goose stew. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to do that a goose stew. Good. Yeah, I'm going to do a goose stew this week. I'm use up some of them geese we got in our, our freezer. And besides that, still home in school with the kids. And, of course, uh, Avery, she's been learning to read and, and doing really good and getting better with her words. And so we've been, I've been having playing with words with her and having fun because now she knows her letters and she can read and she says that break times and lunch times and stuff. She says, Grandpa, let's play a quick game of a you know. And I looked at the cards and I went, uh, no. And she says, you don't want to play? I says, no, I just read the name of the game. C-U-N-O, uh, no. Oh, grandpa, she says. That's past dad jokes. And, and That's been, grandpa yeah, joke level. And I, yeah. and I, I try to find these these grandpa jokes for her, you know. And I said we need to her to one. Apologize, to I everybody said, listening. I said I got a joke for you, Avery. I said, so how do you make a Kleenex dance? And she looked at me and says, Grandpa, you put a boogie in it. She already heard it. Uh, what on earth did you hear this? She says, It's all over school, Grandpa. Like, holy moly. You just, I can't stay ahead of these kids these days. Unreal. So, no. 
That's my fun. Good grief. That's my fun. That's good. What are you going to do when the kids go back to school? Todd, you're going to have to cook for yourself and clean your own house. <laughs> I, I got a meal plan. They ain't cooking for me. Mom mom comes over for school day. And she's like, we're having subs today for lunch. I'm like, no, no, we're not. I have my meal plan. So I'm on my own anyway. Well, yeah. I, I don't feel for you, Todd. Skinless, I, I really don't. Yeah. Chicken. I can attest to that. But Shit. you're right, Bill, though. He's still not maintenance free because... I, I come in and the sink is full of dishes. I mean, now it's twice as full of dishes. I cannot get them to leave them on the counter. And there's this gunk in this bowl and there's these two oval things on the counter. And I'm afraid to touch them because I didn't know if there's somebody's creation or what they were. They were they looked like they were still wet or whatever. And so I'm cleaning up and I said to the kids, do you know what this is? No, nope, some of dad's crap. Don't know what that is. So Todd comes up and I said, can you tell me what they are? He says, yeah, they're the centers out of avocado. I said, they were the what are pits. you doing keeping <laughs> your the centers pits. out of avocado? I didn't know what to do with them. What he do you do with them? them in the garbage. I said, well, what's in this bowl here that's all? He says, well, that's what's left of my avocado. I eat so much a day. Now I can't, avocado. I can't finish it. Avocado. Not I didn't eat so much today. I took a spoonful of that crap, but I threw it all in the garbage. I left the pit because I figured whatever that I put in that bowl is not, no, it's got to be the pit that you eat because that was crap. So now what you do with avocado, you just chuck them. Don't uh, all I know, uh, Bill, is he just does not ho- know how to clean up after himself. In fact, Jen says, I said to Jen, I you know what? I said to Jen, this is the truth. I said, Jen, when these kids go back to school and we quit coming over, you need another whole set of dishes because there isn't enough to keep Todd going in a day. She <laughs> says, tell me about it. I'm working on that. I'm going to go online, buy another set of dishes and a new dishwasher. That's exactly oh, what she answered me. Grief. Unbelievable. Yeah, your 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 meal plan doesn't come with a a, a mate or something. Well, and it, right, that maybe that's the next level. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's what you need to to work on. To, uh, trying to figure out some living service there, uh, other than your parents, to be able to help you with your daily <laughs> functions. Like, can't can't handle any more people in this house, Bill. Can't, can't yeah. do it. <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> anyway, have fun with, with Megan. I says that, or Avery, I said, now when you go shopping, when we get up past this stupid thing and you're out shopping again, you won't have to ask which washrooms you are because you can read the word men and you'll know that this one here is yours because it says, whoa, men, we're not allowed in there. Grandpa, she says. It's another grandpa. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we just have a blast, her and I. We, we do apologize, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quick enough on the mute mic button. <laughs> hey, no. ask me what I do. That's what I do. I'm over here so, looking after the kids. I don't do the schooling. My wife does the schooling, but I have the fun part. This is what you got to look forward to in your later years, Todd. Yeah, right. If I got to put up with it, I get to dish it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the, the the law of the land. Well, I keep looking so, around this office and I keep thinking he's got a lot of cleaning up to do in this oh, big room behind us before we can move in. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's why it will just stay the way it is. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Serenity now. Serenity That's now. it. So where are we going tonight? What well, yeah. So again, back, I'm going to say it again, back by popular demand. So two, two podcasts ago, we had the owner of Muller choke tubes that the dude is like aerospace engineer genius. Do not argue on shotgun patterning choke tubes, philosophy, science, all of that stuff, because he has done a plethora and a lifetime of it. And it's what he's, so now we were like, Hey, we want to know where that all comes from. 
So kind of pumped to bring it back on and go, not going to talk shotgun technology, not going to talk loads. You got that in the podcast with Muller Choke Tubes. Not going to talk choke tubes, going to talk Jimmy Muller. And what does Jimmy Muller do on a daily basis to back up the fact that Muller Choke Tubes is where it's at? And so that's what we've got coming up now. And so, so excited to bring Jim back on so that we could kind of learn about you know, where he lives, what he does and how he does it and how he's successful at it. So it's uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a cool thing. I think we got coming up. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. So, yeah. So you ready to bring him on? Absolutely. Let's do this. All right, let's bring him on. Okay. So we have Jim Muller backed by popular demand. Jim, are you with us? Yes, I am. Todd. He is here good. right on. Good to have you back, Jim. It was a, Great conversation last time. We're hoping to uh, pick your brain a little bit more on the less technical side this time, but more on the fun hunting story stuff. Yeah. Uh, good deal. Thanks, Bill. Now we had to have you back because uh, you, you started to get into some stories and we're like, wow, this is gold. Like this, is, I'm interested in this, but we don't want to hear them right now. We want to hear them when <laughs> on the podcast. So we're like, okay, okay, we got to We got to have you back on. So I'm kind of pumped. And if like just listening to you, if you're a shotgunner, you could pick up so much info just from the stories. So that's kind of like the win-win as well. So that I'm, I'm pumped. So honestly, if I really, we want to kind of know what you hunt, where, when, when we don't want specifics or details of where exactly you hunt. Cause we get that. <laughs> that's co- coveted. coveted. So those are sacred spots and sacred uh, locations yeah. coveted information but by all means when yeah. jim gets up in the morning and he gets ready to go smash some ducks where how, how do you prepare what are you going for and what what's your gear that you got and what are some awesome stories so so basically depending of course on the time of year we've got the early season which is in october runs about a week here and then uh, shut down till about Thanksgiving, and then it's open from that uh, that date and thanks around Thanksgiving all the way until uh, around January twentieth. This year, ducks ended January twentieth. Um, all ducks, puddle ducks, divers, sea ducks, and then uh, the bonus Canada goose season stays open until February fifteenth, where we have a five bird limit. Um, I just came in, um, at sunset today, went out for a few hours and had a a nice big, uh, Canada goose come over about 30 yards up. I, I folded him up nice and then, uh, no others, no others showed up for the rest of the day, but it was, uh, it was a good day. Do you get a lot of, sorry, Bill, I cut you off. I I was excited. I heard goose. I'm like, Hey, do you get a lot of Canada geese (laughs) coming down through your flyway? Oh yeah, we do. We do. It's, uh, you know, in the last, I would say 10 years, there's been more geese than ever. And, uh, it seems like every year there, you know, of course, depending on the weather, um, but our residential goose population is out of control. Every golf course is covered in them and every pond and lake, you know, so, uh, we have a special early season. And then we have the regular hunting season. Then we have the late bonus season. So we've got a lot of geese here. Right on. And you're, where, where exactly are you? Like, uh, you're in Connecticut, right? So 
Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm right on, it's about a 900 acre salt marsh called Charles E. Wheeler, um, wildlife preserve. And, uh, you know, that's basically my backyard. I've got my, uh, dock on one of the main canals right on this marsh. So basically I could hunt right off my dock. Um, if, you know, if need be, and, uh, or it's just a couple minute boat right out into the marsh where I do all my fishing and my hunting. I see. Yeah. And you set up a blind out there or you, you lay out boat hunter. How, how do you hunt? Yeah, I do. Uh, actually I've got, I've got the marsh. So if I'm, if I'm hunting in the marsh, I'll either use my, my low 1448 aluminum John boat. Um, and I use burlap to cover it. Um, if, if the ducks are gun shy or if I'm goose hunting, I'll actually lay the burlap wall on top of the boat. I won't put it up as a blind. I'll lay it down flat, cover the boat, then throw a uh, Spartina grass on top of that. And I'll actually lay it down and put the blind right over the top of me. Um, earlier in the year when the ducks aren't so wary, I'll actually put the burlap blind up and, uh, be fine in that, in that John boat. If, uh, if ducks are really wary or if it's going to be a high tide when I'm out, I'll take my, uh, my four rivers, um, layout boat with the little motor on it and, oh, yeah. uh, go out there and that. So, but you're in the States. Are you allowed to leave your decoys out overnight? Yes, I am. Um, I have done that. I don't do it a lot of times because if I'm in the marsh, um, I don't want to leave the decoys out because people could be running through there at midnight or two in the yeah. morning. Um, <laughs> I don't want to have decoys out, not only for, you know, I don't want them to run into them. Um, but I also, you know, don't want people, uh, coming across decoys and thinking that they're free. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, so where, um, whereabouts are you hunting Jim? Like specifics? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, uh, you know, and if I'm, if I'm on the break wall, uh, in the mouth of the Houstonic river or Remington gun club, um, in that area, or, uh, you know, some of the islands in the area, depending on time of year, the only people that are out there are oystermen and lobstermen. So I'll actually, well, this time you're oystermen. So I'll go out, set out the decoy sometimes, you know, late at night and, uh, have them there ready when I go out in the morning. So I don't have to put out a couple dozen decoys. What is your, what is your typical species? Like you said, early season, like you had divers, sea ducks, puddle ducks, and obviously geese. We talked about that a little bit, but your primary focus, what is it? Is it, you like hunting divers more than sea ducks or what do you like hunting more? Yeah. I mean, so, so I love sea duck hunting divers and stuff just because they present such, you know, um, all different distances and, you know, they're really fast or they're big, strong birds. And, and the action is usually pretty steady. You could, you could just pick your birds, you know, but, uh, but early in the season, that first week in October, it's mainly teal, um, here these days or these years, I should say it's mostly green wing teal, um, with the occasional blue wing teal comes through. And then of course our black duck, lots of black ducks here, lots of mallards. Um, in the early season, I don't really see many, uh, many widgeon or gadwall. So it's mainly, mainly teal mallards and black ducks. 
And uh, that's that first week in October. And then when it opens up for the second half in that November, of course, depending on weather, I mean, if we're getting some cold in November or snow, um, obviously we're going to see more species or more birds than we would if it's bluebird days. But, uh, but like this year, the weather is pretty mild. Um, we had a couple cold snaps. So the second half this year was really cool because there were eider here. And, um, you know, I've been hunting out here since 1975. I've seen a lot of ducks and I have never really seen eider here. I've seen one here and there over the years, but it was a very, it was a rarity to see an eider here. And, oh, no. um, this year I, sh- I shot eider every trip out after, um, after Thanksgiving. I don't even know what an eider really is, cool. to be honest with you. Yeah. That's so, it. so on the, on the East coast here, we have a uh, common eider. Very, very beautiful bird. They're a big bird, a heavy bird, and uh, they eat scallops, any any type of shellfish or, or crustaceans. They'll eat crabs, and but they love mussels, and um, they'll come down from Nova Scotia and Maine all the way down through uh, Cape Cod and and uh, Rhode Island. And this year, I heard rumors they were down south, even as far as Virginia and the Carolinas. Mm. So very odd, very odd. That's just some impressive. Yeah, with the the fact that you guys are on sea <laughs> ducks, we don't. Todd, I don't know about you, but I've I've never hunted sea ducks. And uh, I'm buying uh, my time. I'm sitting here chomping at the bit to jump in here because I want to yeah. know. So on the sea, I'm. We've talked about lakes, so we got the Great Lakes up here, right? And so I have been on a couple Great Lake duck hunts and I was very wary uh, to go because it's big water and everything else. Now you're on the freaking seaboard. So what does it look like when you're going out there? So what, like if I, if I'm a complete moron, no comments, Bill, that what is the setup? What is the boat you're taking? Are you doing layout boats? Do you have like a massive boat you go out in and then you hop down on the layout boat, you hop in it and hunt from it. Do you have blinds built out there or like, how do you, and then how do you even know where to go? How do you find them? Like it's so vast and huge. Is there just ducks everywhere? Or is it like, so you got, you got little coves or little spots that you know, they're going to fly. So I'm in Long Island Sound here, so I'm not theoretically in the ocean. Right. Um, you know, when you're when these guys in Maine and Cape Cod and and some other places, Rhode Island, they're actually in the ocean hunting. So you got to go out breachways. You're hunting rock islands that are you know far offshore. You got to you got different scenario there. But uh, but here in Long Island Sound, most of the hunting is going to be along the shore. Um, you know, maybe out on breakwaters or break walls and, you know, some islands and stuff. But I mean, you know, you get, you get into December and January and, you know, you're getting, getting out there on days where, you know, there's 10, 20, 30, 40 knot winds. Um, you know, we're not out there in any, any small boats. If it's really windy, we'll go out. You know, I've got like a 17 foot Carolina skiff with a 50 on it. I'll go out there and that. Um, a lot of the places I can hunt right out of that. If, if the birds are going to be wary or if I feel like going out in a layout boat, I'll, I'll tow the layout boat and, uh, 
you know, my layout boat takes a three and a half horsepower motor on it. So I can actually do a layout boat by myself. So I'll, I'll tow my layout boat out. I'll have the motor on it. I'll set the decoys out with the big boat. I'll, uh, I'll bring the big boat, you know, a couple hundred yards away, anchor it or tie it up somewhere and then jump in my little layout boat, start the motor and go sit up in the decoys anchor it, position it properly, pull a motor off the transom, stick it under the bow, and uh, and I'm good to go. No doubt. See, yeah, and, and you know, with, with what you're shooting, the, the, the motor choke tubes, and you're not having any cripples have to go chase them, so that that's just... <laughs> you don't need to have anything but the stationary setup the, without a the motor. The special Muller load, the special <laughs> Muller chokes, you're good to rock and roll. That's right, man. And, and you know, I'm not, not too often do I have crippled, uh, you know, I try to, I try to always shoot them in the front, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you sound like Todd. Yeah. So me and you could yeah, hunt exactly. together, Jim, we'll leave yeah. these other breast shooters back that they, they, they must like to see in their dentist or something. I can't figure it out. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. It's awesome. You know, even when I do get crippled, they don't go, they don't go very far. So I don't know. I don't usually have to chase crippled. Do you go out on your, by yourself a lot? Like, do you head out there alone a I lot? I do. Do you really? I do. I, I do a lot. I do a lot of hunting by myself. I go solo a lot. Um, I do have a lot of friends that I do like to bring, um, you know, and we, we have a good time, you know, but, uh, but I hunt pretty much every day when this season starts. So I'm out there every day. I'm out there hunting. I'm actually scouting. So I've always got my binoculars with me. I've got my range finder. Um, if I'm not in the boat, I'm in the truck. I'm walking the beaches. I'm I'm scouting. So basically, I'm I'm like I said, every day I'm hunting. I'm scouting, and I'm always watching what the birds are doing, what's showing up, where they're feeding, and that way, the, no matter what the wind direction is, I know where to go. Man. What are what are the limits like down there for for birds? As far as numbers? no, right, right, yeah, right now we could shoot, you know, six ducks. Um, so depend on species, of course. You know, there's a lot of different species. You could only shoot one of these or two of those. Um, like sea ducks, we could shoot um, four sea ducks, like four, let's say four scoter, um, or you could shoot four old squaw, or you could shoot four eider, um, only one of maybe a hen, but, um, or you could shoot a, a total of, of five sea ducks, like four eider and a scoter or, you know, four scoter and, and, you know, a puddle duck or whatever. You don't have the point so, system there, eh? right? Like males are so many points, females are so many points. No, we don't have a point system here. Just straight out limits. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right on. That's pretty cool. But, you know, as far as species, like you're asking, and I apologize if I'm bouncing around, there's so much to talk about. No, but, it's um, all good. But basically, species here in Connecticut, you know, early season, we've got the green wing teal, occasional blue wing teal. We've got the black ducks, the mallards, uh, widgeon, you know, American ball pay or American widgeon. Um, we've got occasional pintail. We've got gadwall. The gadwall showed up here in 1988 and just never went away. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit, but, um, and then we've got the brant and the geese 
And then for sea ducks or offshore ducks, I like to say, we've got the bufflehead, golden eye, old squaw, scoter, um, all three types of scoter. We have the black scoter or common scoter, white wing scoter and surf scoter. And then this year, like I said, we had the common eider mixed in. And um, of course, we've got broad bill, which is the greater scoff here. And uh, the occasional lesser scoff mixed in. And uh, I don't see many canvas back anymore like I did back in the 70s or redheads. But, um, you know, people do get them once in a while. And that's pretty much, that's pretty much our makeup for the most part. So it's a wide variety of birds. It, it's huge variety that which I'm thinking. So we had Nick on last week, our, our good buddies, uh, he runs fishing charters and, and now massive into, into hunting ducks too. So he typically would hunt what we call the diver ducks. And then, but this year he switched over to puddle ducks. It was just hammering the mallards, but on the lake where normally, you know, you're a, a bigger diver duck hunter. And so he targets that when he gets up in the morning, he knows I'm going for greenheads and that's what we're going to shoot. And you go to that spot, you hit it. So do you have that decided when you're going out or is it, is it just that much of a mixed bag? You're set up on, on close to the shore. So you're not ruling out puddle ducks, but then the sea ducks are going to be flying by you too. So is it literally like a mixed bag flying by and you just, you're going to shoot an eider, but you're also going to shoot a goose. You could shoot a puddle duck or is it you, you get up and you're going to specify like today I'm going to go and we're going to go shoot those mallards over there, or we're going to go over there where the geese are flying. Yada, yada, yada. Like, is it that how, how mixed is it? Or is it a planned attack on a species? You know, sometimes it's a planned attack on a species, but for the most part, it's usually a pretty good mixed bag here. Um, you know, one thing, one thing I've learned over the years, whether I'm in the marsh or offshore, pretty much everything comes to black duck decoys. And, you know, if you read the old, old books, the old time, you know, gunners, the old market hunters, the old timers, you know, back in the, you know, the good old days that they talked about, you know, they, there's people that talked about that back then about black duck decoys. And, and I'm, I'm definitely a sole believer in that. I, uh, I put out more black duck decoys than anything else, no matter where I'm hunting here, because black ducks are prevalent. And when I'm out here looking at birds all the time, I always notice that pretty much everything goes with black ducks. And over the years when I'm hunting, even offshore, um, I'll be hunting, you know, I'll be hunting scoter, broadbills, golden eye, black ducks, mallards, old squab, brant, geese, all in the same spot. And I've noticed over the years that, you know, I, I'll have, let's say, a dozen black duck decoys out, and I'll have a string of eider, string of scoter, a pack of old squab, a few brant, whatever have you. And continuously, birds pour into the black duck decoys. So it's something I've learned over the years that no matter where I'm hunting, the black duck decoys are the one that everything sort of feels confident with. There's that Um, many black ducks down there. See up here, there are, you get a black duck, you're getting it mounted. Am I, am I wrong in saying that bill? Like every, like it's like, because the limit is one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, and they're fair, very sought after it. Like, so you get one and it's like, 
I, I got a black duck and there's people post about, is this a black duck? Is this a black duck? Like everybody wants a black duck. And then we're just going, we're not that far south. You're not that far south of the border of us. And you're just going over there and, and they're so prevalent. You're using them as a confidence builder decoy. Like that's insane. Now I know where they all are, Bill. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, what's really cool is, and, and this pertains to what you're saying. So, so this year I shot three banded black ducks. Last year I shot four banded black ducks. And out of the so last year I shot four, this year I shot four, eight. Out of the eight banded black ducks I shot, and one of them actually also had a, um, a nostril marker. It was a, it was an orange plastic square that was cable tied through his nostril. Um, and he was also leg banded. Um, that one was right here from my hometown, but most of the other black ducks I shot were from Canada. Really? <laughs> and, you know, my, my dad always taught me, he said, you know, later, later in the year, December, January, when the black ducks move in offshore here, where we're shooting them, you'll notice that the black ducks are noticeably bigger and they have what we call red legs. Their legs are noticeably darker orange like almost a, a orange red or a red orange instead of just the lighter color and those birds my dad always said were from canada he called them canada black ducks and you know as as you would have it as the years went on and i shot more of those black ducks i started getting banded birds and sure enough every single one of them were from quebec or um, Ontario, um, bun- bunch of different places in Canada. See, what's the up Isles. with that, eh? My gosh. So yeah. they just, they buzz us. It's so, uh, my theory is they fly so high till they get south of the border and then they drop down thinking those Americans, they can't shoot that well. No, they're, they're, yeah, they're <laughs> See how I just made enemies <laughs> of 52 states in one comment. <laughs> Yeah, and that was yep. Todd Malone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding awesome. you. I'm kidding you. I love you all down there. In fact, I, I think I awesome. moved down there now after hearing all these duck hunting stories. Like it, it sounds to me like Jim lives in the Mecca of duck hunting. I'm a little bit jealous. That's nice. You got you guys have a lot more ducks than we do as, well, far as numbers. You, you know? would think that, but my gosh, the way that like all the mixed bag you got, it's insane. And really, up here, we've noticed, and Dad, you can you can chime in on this and 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 back me up, but the for us, Canada geese is just so prevalent that it's almost hard for us to pull ourselves away to go and find ducks. Right. Because a, I, I guess because we're not lake hunters, because I just don't like big bodies of water. Yeah. You don't like boats. Yeah. I did, boats that, and, that makes him not me. I, big I, big like boats and big bodies of water. Not my gig. So for me, we've got 150 full body field goose decoys and that's our gig. And there's so many Canada's around that we, and we got fields all the time that then we'd have to go, okay, we're not going to go hunt the Canada's that are in that field, like a thousand of them in that field to go find a pond close to the lake where the ducks are. And so we just, it, to me, there's not, I, I remember when I first started hunting, like, I don't even know, 20 years ago or so for me, but there was so many ducks in the area we hunted in the fields that they came in like a tornado and would feed and, and do the, the, the jump over each other and feed right up to you. And now 
we haven't seen that in many years, have we, Dad? No, even before that, 20, 30 years ago, maybe 30, 40 years ago, that's all we hunted was ducks. If you got a goose, that was a bonus. You didn't see many of them at all. But uh, now it's turned around. Now it's all geese and very few ducks come to the fields. But, yeah, I used to hunt those clouds of ducks. And we used to see flocks of blacks. And they were unmistakable because we used to get excited. Even 40 years ago, we'd get excited. That's a flock of blacks. But it was a flock. It wasn't just two or three with a bunch of mallards. You could tell those those dark bodies and the, the light gray under the wings. And you knew right away. And they were big birds. That, that was a flock of blacks. And you were really trying to call them in. But that changed radically. You don't see hardly any blacks here anymore. At least we don't in the fields and things. All even these guys in Connecticut, yeah. they, they got them all tie strapped down. And the geese have taken <laughs> over now. We hunt geese predominantly. We don't often chase ducks. Yeah. So that, no, that is, it, 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 it does amaze me that you can use black ducks as confident builder. Black duck. Yeah, but, push. It just, I, I hear that in that. To me, that that's interesting because on, I did a lot of lake hunting on uh, Lake Erie, and we would we would put bluebills out. You know, a good buddy of mine down there got me into duck hunting, and, and the bluebills. If we we would always we would name our boat and his boat mixed bag because we would shoot a little bit of everything, butterballs or bufflehead, we we call them, but little butterballs. You're allowed six ducks per person, and you were always going after the lake ducks because they were the big bluebills. That, that had a lot more meat on them than a little <laughs> buffalo head, which had hardly got anything on it, right, Jim? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. We, we'd put out the the, uh, the one or two buffalo head in, in the set just to get interest and get them to buzz the buzz in case there was no bluebills flying. We'd at least have something to shoot at. But, you know, we'd get canvas backs coming to bluebill decoys. They'd come in hot and fast. Could <laughs> you come from a mile high it would seem right down to the decoy set and the snap of fingers and uh but bluebills were were our confidence decoy when we were like lake duck hunting man yeah that makes sense you know i mean a lot a lot of those birds they all feed they all feed together and they all feed on the same thing so so you know the broadbill decoys always always worked well with a lot of different divers and um here in connecticut i've noticed and and I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but I would presume it is. But uh, basically, golden Drake golden eyes will only come to Drake golden eye decoys, um, and you know old squaw will usually only come to old squaw decoys. Although hen old squaws will come to pretty much anything. Um, so it, it's pretty interesting, and pretty much everything else, even a broad builds, will come to black duck decoys. Yeah, man. We, sh- I don't know. We we get. Uh, sh- I shot a lot of. Probably shouldn't have because they didn't taste very good. But uh, uh, mergansers, American mergansers. <laughs> I shot one, yeah, Bill. I shot yeah. one, and I tasted it. That was the last merganser I ever <laughs> shot. I, I got a good. There's two good, two good recipes for mergansers. The first one. And my wife uh, figured the second one out later on. But first one is you, you take the reganza, you put it in a pot with a rock. You, you boil it the best that you can, you throw it out to eat the rock. <laughs> that's about it. That, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first recipe. But the second recipe, we actually cut them up into cubes and bacon wrapped them, and they were edible. Feed them to the point. dog. But 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I didn't. After I learned, you know, a little bit more about duck hunt, I didn't go out of my way to shoot them again. No, 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 they look cool. <laughs> that's that's where it stops. Yeah, yeah, not happening. I shot you know, one, and that yeah. was that. You know, with the mergansers for me, it was really important for me to find a recipe or find some type of method to cook them because, you know, I'm a big fisherman. So basically every merganser I can kill, I'm thinking I'm saving thousands of fish. It's like, yep. it's like damn cormorants, right? We're yep. not allowed to shoot them, but it's the one bird that this country and, and Canada should be allowed to we are now. pretty much annihilate. They just brought you season in this year. Yeah, we just had it. They just had a cormorant season that's, this year. That's phenomenal. And let me tell you, you know, there, it, it's not that you have to waste them. There are ways to marinate them and, and draw the, the blood and, and gaminess out of them. And then you, you can cook them and even smoke them. And they're actually pretty good. Um, so I just... I would just love to see a cormorant season here because our islands are all being um, devastated yeah, by cormorants. They, they kill the trees, um, right? Like the trees just wither up. Oh, yeah, up. they like, kill everything. They're yeah. all the vegetation, the trees. They're wiping out. I've got video for the last, I would say the last 15 years, I've got video of cormorants coming up my creek at low tide. Like anywhere between 50 and 200 of them at low tide just devastating the entire fish population with the egrets following them down the shoreline eating whatever comes close to them and i'm watching i'm watching cormorant swallow like eight inch fluke you know um summer flounder i'm watching them swallow frost fish i'm watching them wipe out everything and it's just really sad that that the u.s fish and wildlife service has not you know implemented some type of season on these things because Every year, there's more and more and more. It's getting really, really bad. Yeah. See, Canada's got your back, Jim. We'll we'll take it down for you. Yeah. Nice. We'll do, do our part. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to come up there and uh, put a hurting on them with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. They just brought it. I we haven't hunted them yet. I know, and uh, I know Nick was talking about it. I, he might have a couple times. We should have asked him that. I'll, I'll have to get on the horn with him. But but yeah, I I know. God, when I went out duck hunting, there was some trees. Where he's like, that's where the cormorants all nest, and they're they're deader than a doornail. The whole island is deader than a doornail. Like everything on it, just toast. Yep. So, yeah, they brought it in. And you know what? Another thing that's cool too is actually cormorants. Good, you know, nice adult birds and full plumage. They're actually really pretty. They they make a nice mount. You know, no doubt. Eh? And uh, so, yeah, so it's not like we'd be wasting wasting them hunting them i mean they're a very intelligent bird they're very shy i mean they're not going to be that easy um but it would be great to hunt them yeah so but but the whole merganser thing we've got hooded mergansers red-breasted mergansers and common mergansers here and uh, i shoot i shoot all three species and then you still have a recipe you still cook them up then i do so so like I was saying, I had to come up with a recipe just like crows, you know, and because um, I, I like to shoot them and I don't like to waste anything. So basically, I just came up with a way to, clean, you know, clean them and uh, and soak them in the vinegar, salt and water. And uh, with the mergansers, I actually soak them for a full day and uh, mostly vinegar with some water and a bunch of salt. And then I change that out the next day, do it again. And then I soak them in buttermilk 
And then I basically cook them like I would any other duck. And, and after, uh, after all that soaking, it's, it draws out the gaminess. Yep. They're a better fish or a better, a better fish. You like that, it huh? Does. They're a better duck. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're totally doable. No and then uh, I've had people smoke them where they tasted really good as well. Right on. May have to try. If, if next merganser that skirts our decoys is going to get it or that I jump up on a puddle and he's sitting there. I may well, have to take him so down. Their attempt will be made. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, Ed yep. Bill, this isn't the guys, almost guy talking here. <laughs> do you guys have a separate merganser season in your bat? I mean, separate bag limit for mergansers or no? No, ducks no. are ducks no. are ducks no. for us. And that that's why okay. we always we're always choo- choosy, if that's the right way to say it. If you shoot a merganser, that goes against your bag limit, and then you get a nice flock of. Bluebills come in. You're one less that you can put in the boat. I would much no, prefer a bluebill. He's, he's talking a big game, Jim. Really, he is choosy, but it's not him making the decision. It's the shot that's flying out, and it just happens to miss the smaller merganser. So he's like, "Yeah, didn't I didn't want to shoot that anyway." That. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need to be specific. We just—I was trying out. It's, it's, it's a it almost guy. I was trying out a new yeah, technique. Well, you know, that was the pull pull away, and no, it didn't work it. on a merganser. <laughs> they, they almost guy gets them some sometimes, but not always. Uh, you got to leave some uh, for others. I mean, it's part of the conservation efforts, right? I love, Hey man, I love fishing. So anything I can do to preserve the fish, I will. Right on. Well, I want to end this with, with a heck of a story. So take your year this year, maybe last year, the last couple, what is one of your, your most memorable hunting stories? And like what it was and, and what made it that memory? Like, so I want to, my, my whole thought process is I'm so intrigued because there's so much more to ask you, but we got like the limited time frame of the podcast, but I'm, I'm so intrigued with how you go out the mixed bag side of things and you're hunting by yourself in a layout blind, which just floors me. I wouldn't a, I don't like going out in a layout boat with people, let alone going by myself. But what would be like, the, your favorite, your favorite hunting story that you've just recently had, and then some some details that made it that. So so basically, last year and this year, I had a couple standout standout hunts here at my house. I uh, I went out and I set out offshore to break water, and um, first first bird of the morning, right after right after shooting time, this uh, pair of black ducks came in. And uh, I took one black duck, I killed it, and uh, went out, picked it up, and it was banded. So I was like, man, what a what a great start to the day. You Good know? pick. Good so pick. I go back. <laughs> it, it was awesome. And uh, it, was, it was a really cool shot, too. It was a far shot. I stoned him. Uh, one shot, stone dead. And, and it was just awesome that I picked the right one. You know, it was banded. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I bring the boat back to the the rock so I get everything tied back up I get the blind back up I sit down and here come three, I'm allowed to shoot two black ducks so here come three more black ducks and they're coming coming down skyrocketing down to the decoys and I had my shot cam on which was really cool and you can see I, I went to one black duck and I, I didn't pull a trigger I went to it I said nope didn't like it I went to the next one Nope, didn't like it. And out of the corner of my eye, I could see the third one starting to pick 
pick up and peel away. And it just presented itself nicer. It wasn't the easiest shot. It was the hardest of the three, but it was just the way he looked in the sky, backpedaling, going back. I picked that one out. I folded him up. I went out, picked him up, and he was banded also. <laughs> no so doubt. It, it was really cool. Out of, out of out of five black ducks, I shot the two the, that were banded that banded. morning and, and went home. And um, so so that, that was almost the, the part of the story. But the part that really topped it off, after I shot those two black ducks that were both banded, I had them on the bow of the boat. I took pictures, sent them to a few of my good buddies and my brother. And uh, I get everything set back up. Some other birds start buzzing around. They went around me and they came in. And uh, it was a pair of ball paint. And I shot the Drake. Got him. I went out there and he was freaking banded too. My gosh. So I, I ended up with three, <laughs> three banded birds, three birds in a row. And uh, that morning I ended up also shooting a, uh, my pair of, uh, Drake broadbill. And, um, it was just an awesome morning. And I, I actually got a, a goose also that morning. So it was just, it was one of those awesome, awesome mornings with everything just comes together. Yeah. That's yeah. going to have a hard awesome. time duplicating that one. That's for sure. It was that's... cool. It was cool. My and then, gosh. uh, on the, on the same, the same exact date this year, which was really cool because when I was out there sitting, the memory on Facebook, because I had posted those pictures on yeah. Facebook, my one, my one year memory came up on my phone and I was like, oh, wow, that was today. And that was the same morning that I shot my two banded black ducks this year, the one with the um, nostril marker on them. So no, the same exact day. A year apart, I shot banded black ducks again. I don't know about you, Dad and Bill, but I'm thinking COVID clears up. Well, what day was that, yeah. Jim? I, <laughs> I gotta look. I gotta look back, but I think it was December eighth. You text me the confirmation on that because I think we'll have some vacation around that time when somebody might just show up on your doorstep. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. My boat show is open for you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I'll, yeah, I'll watch that was an awesome short. story. That like a year anniversary. That's incredible. That's worth remembering. It that is, that it was is cool. Great to sure. hear that story. It really it was, was really cool. It is neat. And uh, one of, one of those black ducks, the the numbers were worn off the band pretty pretty badly. I was able to barely read them with a magnifying glass. Actually, a ten x loop, you know, and. um I put the numbers in and that one that was worn, I'll have to look back at it. I'll send you the info, but it was at one of the aisles in uh, Quebec. Wow. Uh, So he got by all of us. Yep. The bird was born in 2015, banded in 2016. That's awesome. I I love the stories that come with those bands. It just tells such a history of, of the travel and, and how far those birds come to, to get to, to you. And yeah, it's always good. I've, I've shot one banded bird in, in my, my day, but that has such a memory for me. Uh, oh, yeah. you, you can't top that. And to shoot as no. many as you, you shot there in like two hunts. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It's but, been amazing. But Bill, it's really good luck sometimes. Think of how many banded birds you've probably shot at. 
I mean, that's yeah, I mean, I try to pick yeah. the jewelry out of the, the, <laughs> the field when they're coming in, but I tell you, typically somebody I, else claims them. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I can never see the bands. I tell you what. So, Jim, I hunt with a guy, me and dad, Scotty, and this, I, he he claims he could see. I'm like, you can't see those bands on their legs when they're coming in. Now, it's it's predominantly geese that we're hunting, right? So they're big. But I'm like, and they're, they, they look like they're slow because they're so big. And I'm like, you can't see those bands. But I will tell you, when we set up and the three of us in the field and you kind of know where your lane is. So the flock comes in, yeah. you're shooting the ones in front of you. Or if they're, if they're coming down on, the, on an angle, I, I would be on the far end. So I'm the, I've got the lead birds. He's beside me. He's got the middle. Dad's got the backside. So some three come in. Dad jumps up, hammers his. He jumps up, hammers his. I'm taking my time. I'm like, we got all day. I line up on mine and yeah. then bam. Well, I look, I said, what are you doing? And actually, sorry, he didn't shoot his. He shot mine. And then I just as I was yep. about to pull the trigger, he shoots mine. And I looked, I said, what are you? That's your bird. Oh, yeah. And then he turns and shoots that one. And I, what are you doing? I didn't even get a shot. And oh, I was so <laughs> mad. I said, what? He goes, well, that one was banded. <laughs> Bull crap. Yeah. I go out and pick it up and I'll be darned. The one in front of me was banded. And oh my gosh, he says, even to this day, he felt so bad, but he's laughed at that ever since, <laughs> ever since. And I That's said, there's awesome. no freaking way you've seen that banded. You were just shooting mine as a, as a, just to be a jerk and grin at me. And it just happened oh, to be banded. Awesome. And it all played out, but no, it was. And I told that story wrong. Sorry. He did. He let his go and shot mine. And I, yeah, I said, that was my bird. He goes, Oh yeah. And then he turns and shot his as it was flying away. I thought, y'all, you freaking jerk. And then it was it was banded. I'll be darned. He's like, Yeah, yeah, that oh, one's banded. Awesome. No way. So awesome. but anyway, yeah, it did irritate me. That's who I hunt with, Jim. That's what I'm coming down there. So it's okay. It serves you yeah, right. Man, come, you on, yeah, come on down yeah. here. I'm, I'm a little more friendly than that. Yeah. 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 Well, right. <laughs> it, it sounds like there's so many that you don't you wouldn't be able to shoot them all out from under me. As long as there's more than That's three, right. your bird, your bird is your bird. I'm not going to shoot it. <laughs> Hear that? Unless, yeah. unless it's the king, a Drake King Eider, of course, then, you know, it's every man for himself. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. Then, <laughs> he's pushing you out of the boat and then shooting it. Yeah, I'm, I'm shooting. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, okay. So to end it off, because if, if anybody listened to the last podcast we had Jim on two, two episodes ago, you are an absolute wealth of knowledge beyond belief when it comes to shotguns. And, and hence Muller chokes built on nothing but science and research and a lot of money of research to get them to where they're at. So to end this, if you had, and I'm going to put you on the spot, these are all candid folks. We don't, we don't rehearse these, which is the beauty of this, but we put you on the spot and say, if you had one tip to give the hunter, the, the wing shooter for shotgunning, and it could be anything. I mean, anything that you, what is the one tip to improve somebody's wing shooting and bill listen up he's, he's talking to you yeah mm-hmm. so, so i got a really good one here i got a really good one here that's really helpful so you know how you know how when you miss the bird you just shoot all three shots and you hit the same damn spot every shot don't know what you're, you're talking like, about why the hell did i shoot haven't got why the hell did i shoot <laughs> behind them all three shots you know so basically what i what i teach people is if if usually rule of thumb your pat, your effective pattern is about two feet, right? So when you miss, you miss by a minimum of two feet. 
And, and let's face it, if you miss, you're probably a little more than two feet. So when you miss, basically you need to move your next shot by a minimum of two feet to connect. So all you need to do is figure out, did I shoot behind or did I shoot in front? And the next shot, you need to move by two feet. And then if you missed again, you need to move by another two feet. Um, and, and that's going to make a big, big difference on connecting. You know, so many times we just bang, 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 and we never change the lead. And we wonder why we don't hit anything. So, so basically one way to, to think of it is double your lead every time you miss. So if, if you, sh- if, if it's something that you think you're shooting behind, so, you know, if the birds are 10, 15, 20 yards, chances are you're not shooting behind you, maybe actually shooting in front. Right. So obviously you'd cut your lead in half on the next shot, but, but on most, most ducks and passing birds, especially sea ducks. You ain't stuff. leading the them enough. Moving yeah. along good. We're, we're shooting behind them. So, so basically what I always tell people is if you miss double your lead on the next shot. And if you miss again, double that. And, and that's going to help you connect a lot more than, than not. That really makes sense. That, that's uh, good to hear. That's uh, a bit of advice I've never heard before. I never looked at it that way. That's awesome. Yeah, because you've got, you've got, let's say, a two-foot effective pattern, and then you've got the length of the bird. So even if you just missed by the two feet, you've actually missed by the two feet plus the length of the bird. So two feet would still be on the butt of the bird. So, you know, even though we say two feet, it could be actually three or four feet you're behind. So, so what I'm saying is when you miss, make a large adjustment. Don't, don't micromanage your lead. So if you miss, don't move, you know, the width of your bead or don't move, you know, a little move a lot. And, and that's going to make a big difference for you. Right on. Something to try. I like it. Yeah. No, that tips. tips, I like that tip too. That's really good. Cause you're not wrong. Right. And those three shots, you usually, a, really new new hunters i'll always say when that happens do you know where what bird you were shooting at and they'll be like look at just like 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 a stone and and can you pick out in your head what bird no you were just flock shoot you panicked right like buck fever but but duck fever it just pulled up and bang 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 next time take your time and then if you do miss have that wherewithal to adjust your lead you're not wrong right on yep you know, I don't know how much time you got, but quickly, two other things. Like if you're shooting birds along the water where you can see where your pattern is, or at least somebody next to you can tell you where your pattern is. You know, basically, if you have somebody that's really struggling shooting behind birds a lot, especially if you're shooting sea ducks or fast divers, right? Mergansers, golden eyes, broadbill, anything like that. If you have somebody or yourself and you're constantly shooting behind and you just don't understand how much or you can't get yourself to lead that bird enough, get yourself or get your buddy to actually follow a bird and shoot right at it and look at how far back your pattern hits and that's how much lead you need. It's a really quick, good visualization. That's so, a, that's so the toughest need- thing for a lot of people to, to, to grasp is, is lead. Um, you do a whole podcast, which we're not going to do tonight. But it, it's a great tip if you're you're shooting behind 
and, and they're coming in on the water, you can definitely tell how much adjustment you need to make. And the, the seasoned Absolutely. hunters will, will be able to make that. The new guys might need a little bit of a push. Yep. Great yep. tip there, too. You know, it's, uh, it, it's just, it's always learning. I mean, every time that I pull a trigger, I'm not just hunting or I'm not there killing. I'm, I'm actually learning every time I shoot. And, uh, and it's important to, to go out with that mindset. Don't just go out there to pull a trigger. Don't go out there just to hunt, go out there to learn. Cause that's what we're doing. We're investing, we're investing a lot of time, a lot of money. And, uh, and it's good to learn every time you go out so you can excel at it instead of just, you know, staying at a plateau for, for many, many years. That is so bill dad, if you notice that is the theme. So last week, Nick killing all these ducks. And that's exactly what he said was every time he goes out, he tries to learn something new that he can then employ the next time, which has led to his success. And now Jim, who I would not argue with in any way, shape or form with wing shooting, shotgunning or anyway, said the exact same thing. So that's awesome. That's uh that's a, yeah. So, yeah. No, think, think about how long a goose is, right? So if you miss a goose, let's say you shot behind and if you miss a goose, not only did you miss by the two feet of your pattern, but you missed by the three foot length from tip to tip of the goose. So you missed by a minimum of five feet. Man, yeah, so don't you're not move wrong. By an inch. Yeah, don't move your gun by an inch on the next shot. You got to move your your gun a lot. You know. Yeah. So just just something to think about. Yeah, that's a good that's answer. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate your time once again, Jim. Really do appreciate it. Oh, thanks, guys. It's always fun, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, well, we'll definitely talk for sure, and and don't be shy with sending us pics of the hunt. Like I'm all I'm all down for that. <laughs> you got yeah, I've, I've some, some, some pictures, and I got some uh, I got some other good shot cam uh, footage. I'll yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we've got to post start posting some of that stuff on on the Facebook page. That's awesome, awesome. Well, really do appreciate yeah, it, Jim. Oh, sorry. Good deal, guys. Thanks a lot, Jim. Yep. Really Thanks, Jim. Good Thanks. luck. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, guys. And that'll do it for this week, folks, for the Redneck Country Podcast. I'm Bill, the Almost Guy Tom. And I'm Todd. And thanks for listening. And folks, if you want to be part of the podcast or you want to give us some feedback or really contact us about anything, feel free to email us at podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Again, that's podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week.